This podcast has been made possible through funding from Fans for Diversity. Hello and welcome to the FEH podcast and welcome to the first uh, traditional youth panel roundtable of the year. Um, we had obviously the collaborations for the month of action, um, which went really well, really well received, really happy with how everything went. And based on this podcast, we will be just be talking about uh, the month of action as a whole and then looking forward to the football versus transphobia week of action, which is coming up at the end of March. Um, and first of all, we'd like to introduce my guests. Uh, my fellow panel members. Um, first of all, uh, she made a podcast debut last week on our last collaboration, um, and she is back again. You can't get enough of her. Um, it's uh, the events officer, Holly Grimes. Hello, Holly. Hi, everyone. Yeah, it's um, second appearance in a week. I'm uh, becoming a regular now, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why I said I've never introduced someone by their first and second name on this podcast, and I don't know why I just did that then. <laughs> um, but anyway, Holly, thank you again for me and making her first appearance on the Youth Panel Roundtable, but she's the regular host of uh, the, the main FEH podcast. We've got our co-coordinator, Ankara, with us as well. How are you, Angie? Hi, hello, yes. And Sam, I have to say you've pronounced my name wrong. I'm just going to out you on yeah. the podcast. <laughs> I, I, I always, whenever I go to say your name, I do like the thing of like, do I have a full name? And I have like the mental break where I'm like full name mid like short and short of name what am I doing and then I just like completely lose it I'm awful with pronunciations of any names that aren't just the bare basics of what I'm doing <laughs> so I can well, it's not a big deal because literally nobody can say it but I do like to go for a full name introduction and then people can call me Angie if they want to so it's Ang Harrod Ang Harrod you were close you were close but yeah so um yeah I'm happy to be here and thanks even though I've just been mean to you about, about the pronunciation of my name. No, that's fine. I, I'm more than happy to be called out on pronunciations and anything because I'm awful for everything um, words-wise, especially when I'm like getting into the flow because normally, um, so when, when I do my um, uh, like journalist stuff or do my readings, we'll have like the, uh, I forgot what it's called now. I'm really not a good journalist. Um, we've got, we will have like the cue thing with the script on it and I'm awful for like having to put everything phonetically so I pronounce it exactly right. So if I don't have phonetic spellings for everything, then I'm just going to ruin every single pronunciation there ever has been on anyone that isn't like Dave. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of but yeah, so it, it kind of as we're coming off, it's kind of like been a rest week after the month of action, almost a hangover of the month of action, but not really a rest because we're planning straight ahead for the week of action. But I know, I don't know, Angie, you can kind of talk about this a bit more, but this, is, this was kind of the busiest month of action for a youth panel as far as I, as far as I know, since you've been, or since a youth panel has been a thing. Like, how has it been for you seeing kind of how much has happened and yeah how much we put on really yeah definitely I mean it has been like you say the busiest we've had um just like as the youth panel I think that the youth panel has only done I want to say this is the third um year that the youth panel's done something the first year we were super new um well, do you know what? We'll have to check that because it might have actually only been two years. So the sec the first year we were really new. So we just did some kind of online campaigns and some of uh, some different people went and represented us at events because obviously it wasn't um coronavirus time. So we could go and be out at events. And then um and then obviously this year, I think it, I've got to say it has been a bit of a blessing that things have been virtual because we've been able to do um we've been able to do so many events do you know what I mean because we've just been able to do zoom events and um and things like that and different campaigns so it's been really good uh, and I'm not one to say anything positive about this lockdown or this coronavirus because I think it's absolutely brutal but I have to give credit where credit's due. Like it has been helpful for just being able to do those different things. We've not had people having to travel all over and like try and fit in loads of events. We've not been trying to organize all these different events. It's really like, okay, so we're going to do an event. It's going to be on Zoom. What's it going to be? We need to ask a couple of people to do it and that's it. So I think it's been really good for that reason. 
I think it is quite cool as well, the fact that we don't have to... It, it, yeah, as you said, it's not like the greatest thing in the world. We would love to do in-person events. But I know there's been a lot of conversations just in general not losing this online events thing, even when we do go back to normal, just because it opens up so many more doors. As you say, you don't have to travel um, wherever else. Like we would all have to be in like Manchester or we have to be in London when we're based literally everywhere all over the country, over the youth panel. And also just having the, the option of doing more international events. I think we didn't do an awful lot of that necessarily this year. But if you look at the FEH as a whole, and um, I hosted a Proud Valiance event in the launch week, which was booking with, we were joined by people from all over the world because it was like the uh, supporters groups from all over the world. And we had someone from Australia, we had someone from America, we had someone in Germany and like stuff like that wouldn't be possible really without being online and it since there is a lot of positives to it and as well as um just the, the I, I know one thing that i always pick up on is this um the kind of more anxiety side of things because it's something that i've suffered with my whole life so the, i think it's quite nice for people that maybe wouldn't be confident enough to go to events in real life that they can just switch on a zoom turn their camera off like not be involved in that way but still be engaged um and again with our community as well varying levels of being out or not being out or varying levels of confidence in being out that also again it's another security blanket to that which i've really enjoyed and think yeah as we've we've discussed we don't want to lose that when we do go back to being able to do in-person events yes we want to do in-person events but don't completely lose the online events benefits and the, and the pluses to being online yeah, definitely. I think two things you've said there bang on. One is that, yeah, you can just be at loads of different places like within a week. So one of my volunteers from my day job, she's always like, so I'm going to be in Manchester and then I'm going to be this week. I'm going to be in Manchester, New York, and then I'm going to London. And then the first time she said it, I was like, what are you talking about? We're in lockdown. And she was like, because I'm going to a conference at Manchester University on Zoom. And then I'm going to do this thing, this New York, you know, group that I'm going to join. And she's always like, you know, at different places. And um, and that is the beauty of it. You wouldn't be able to do that. You'd have to pick one, wouldn't you? Mm. And then the ones like New York, well, that's probably unlikely that you're going to be able to go to that. You might read some minutes afterwards or something. So I think that's really important. And like you say, the anxiety thing, that's just such a big deal, isn't it? So many people don't go to events and are completely isolated from like community activities because they just don't have the confidence um, and they do have anxiety and things. And now you can go on a Zoom, you can, um, you know, have your camera off and be muted and just watch webinars. You don't even, no one even knows you're there. Do you know what I mean? So it's actually perfect for people that don't feel comfortable being at physical events. Uh, I think Holly you're involved in a lot of stuff obviously being an events officer and you came in kind of just as we all started to ramp up the planning on the month of action and kind of just got thrown in the deep end so how's it been for you I've been curious because it's I feel like I very much focused I've focused on my events and producing my content whereas you've kind of had a hand in everything <laughs> so how's that been for you? Yeah, I feel like I came in at the perfect time in a sense because it, it, it was enough time that we were only really just starting to shape the plans and it, it was really interesting to see what everyone sort of had in mind and, and had planned. And to be honest, I think the great thing was that a lot of it just sort of worked out itself without me and Daniel even needing to do much. So everyone had their own events that they were really sort of passionate about. Like obviously, Samuel Journalism event, you'd been planning for months and um, and then we sort of had the opportunity to, to do our own events as well. So the, the soccer size event and the um, Youth Trailblazers event were both sort of things that I wanted to do and we sort of did as a team. Um, no, I think, I think like you say, it was great to actually... I think a lot of the sort of panels I've been involved with before and other groups that I've been involved with, it's a bit of a talking shop and everyone just sits there and discusses the issues and that's great, but nothing actually gets done and no one actually gets reached outside of that group so I think it was great with the month of action how many people we managed to reach and people who maybe weren't necessarily like you say wouldn't travel to an event or wouldn't have been involved if they weren't online so no it was great like I think it definitely pushed me out of my comfort zone as well so like hosting a panel I'd never done that before and you know it's just great experiences that I think will really benefit sort of everyone going forward 
yeah you talk about hosting panels and like how much goes into that you never think about how much actually goes into that and like I remember like because like, I hosted two panels over the course of the month faction and then I did stream at the end which was not quite as wearing because it was just I was playing football manager and just talking to people like but yeah so but yeah like you don't realize how exhausting hosting a panel is like I would literally like get to the end and even if it was only like an hour an hour and a half I'd get to the end of the day and just be like oh I just I feel just so exhausted just from constantly talking and constantly being aware of like trying to move conversations on and stuff like that and really it's not that different to doing this and doing a podcast but somehow it feels so much heavier and feels so much more exhausting and I, I, yeah I, and I was I was just shocked especially after my journalism panel I just crashed like I just crashed out and it, yeah it was just it was just really weird I've never had that experience before and um yeah I don't know what it was it was weird to feel that and have that feeling really I think it's because you're working towards it as well so it's kind of like a release like oh my god that's finally done whereas with the podcast I think you think oh we're going to talk about this but I don't know if you're the same as me Sam but I'm just like right we're going to talk about this I'll ask someone to do it and then you just kind of talk like there's not a big build-up to it whereas with these events you're like um trying to get people to sign up and you're feeling worried are people going to come is it going to be okay like it's live um, you're not editing it afterwards do you know what I mean so you've got that pressure as well and then you just want it to go really well and you've been thinking about it for months and then suddenly like oh my gosh it's done do you know what I mean yeah. so I think that adds to the that feeling of um exhaustion at the end yeah especially at the end of the month as well I just I crashed out last week once I've done the stream and yeah done all of that I just like this week I've just been like exhausted the whole week and trying to like just slowly build myself back up to recover and it's yeah it is it's been a lot but it's, it's it was so enjoyable like the whole month um I did I didn't have much time to like stop and think about it but now like except in the last week it's been nice to reflect and actually oh we actually did quite a lot of really cool stuff and a really wide range of stuff as well that's what I think I enjoyed most about our kind of set of panels is we had we had the journalism panel but then we also had just disabled footballer panel and we had you know the queer youth trailblazers as well as like the interactive stuff and the education sessions we had like such a massive range of stuff um rather than just focusing on you know we're going to do this event around you know whether there's going to be an out gay footballer or you know that not to say that those are bad events but it's just different stuff and a variety of stuff outside of just the kind of surface level of what we do I guess is what you what you're saying the intersectionality as well um especially with the disabled footballers panel was something that has been really important that you like ever since we started or ever since I started uh, yourself Aggie and Beatrice have been like really get into us like intersectionality and it's I think it was one of the first things that we talked about in the interview and stuff like that and so it was really nice to actually see that come to be and come to life really. Yeah and I think that you know mine and Beatrice me and Beatrice are obsessed with it because you know when we talk about LGBT stuff the queer community we talk about one type of queer person all the time do you know what I mean and actually the community is so vast and full of different people with different experiences and we're not doing our duty as the youth panel we're not doing our duty in making football a better place for queer people if we're only doing that from the perspective of a certain type of queer person do you know what I mean so it's just dead important for us and I think we have done some brilliant events um, in February that were intersectional and making sure that even if it's not an intersect, like specifically uh, intersectional event, I'm doing air quotes, but it's a podcast, you can't see me. <laughs> um, making sure that it's just representative of different people with different experiences. And obviously we'll never get um, every single queer person's experience on one panel, but we can at least get a variety. Do you know what I mean? Like, handful of different experiences you know I think that was uh Holly with your obviously you had a massive hand in the queer youth trailblazers panel and then obviously hosted it and that was that was really nice just to see a a group of young people all like working towards similar things but doing it in different ways and different parts of the country 
but also just the, the, the variety in terms of intersectionality that was on that panel and, you know, just seeing like a screenshot of the panel and just like that is just an, a really diverse group of people, but all working towards similar or the, the same or similar things. Yeah, I think, I think with the topic of the event itself, what I wanted to really try and get across, and this is something that I've sort of picked up from my work with sort of FA's youth leadership programme, is that young people are not just sort of the leaders of tomorrow, they can be the leaders of today. And I think that definitely came out in the event that young people can play such a huge role in, in progression and in making football more inclusive. And yeah, I think when we were recruiting the panel, you know, I could quite easily have found a very sort of um, homogenous group of people easily enough but we, we said it, it is really important that we are representing the diversity of the community and that's something that we tried to do um, and I think the discussion was better for it as well because you've got people bringing in their different experiences of you know um, the intersectionality of their ethnicity with their sexuality and just making sure that like I say every, everyone's sort of different experiences were heard and not just a, a homogenous group. I think you're right as well Holly with um you know, the young people can be kind of, they can be doing stuff today to, um, what I've lost what I'm trying to say, but the point I'm making is the thing that always gets me is when, you know, a group or an organization say, oh, what can, you know, what can we do to include young people better? What can we do to include black people better? What can we do to include disabled people better? Like, let's all think about it. And then they all sit around and they think about it. And I always just go, why don't you just ask them? Ask them. I mean, I don't understand why you're not asking those people. And that's why it's important to have the voices on the panel, to have different people, because they're going to tell you what's needed for themselves. And hopefully they'll be able to give a better idea of what you can do for that community instead of just a load of, old white people sitting around you know old white able-bodied cis people sitting around going hmm how can we be more inclusive like you're not going to find out because you don't have that experience or understanding and I think and this could get on the whole tangent that we're not going to go on but just as as a, as a kind of younger people as a generation I feel like it's we, the reason a lot of stuff is now kind of moving along and there's a there's a kind of seems to be a bit more of a step is because when we've come into this world and gone, wait, why are we settled in the way the things are? It seemed like there was a point where kind of everything stagnated and like everything wasn't good, but people were satisfied with it, I guess. Um, and so, and a lot of young people now come into this, the way the world is and gone, wait, this isn't good enough. This isn't what, what it should be. It's not there yet and have made that push. Um, and I think that and I don't think that can be under, underestimated at all, like how how much young people shape, especially the last couple of years, I found just in general, there's a lot more fight in terms of yeah, not just being satisfied with how it was and like, yeah, it's, I mean it's some, it's somewhat better, like it's some, the world is somewhat more inclusive. Like it's better than it was in the 70s or 80s, but you know, it's to, do we really want to be making that comparison and making that you know, is that, does that mean it's good? Is that, you know, is satisfying good enough? And young people come in and go, no, it's not, and pushed it forward. And, you know, we've received pushback as well. But if you're not receiving pushback, you're probably not pushing hard enough. And, you know, I know you said we're not going to go down this road, but here we are. <laughs> My biggest thing that annoys me um, is, you know, when older people are like, you know, you get in the gay community a lot. Oh, well, you know, um we've got equal marriage now okay great <laughs> like do you know what I mean that's not what I'm talking about I actually don't ever want to get married I just want to you know have better equality for other people in the group or, or you know we live through a really hard time um you know this happened to us or you know we had all this kind of discrimination it's like yeah and young people are grateful for you know the fight that you have fought but there's new things now and it's not all nice and easy and everything's okay just because like a couple of old cis white gay men are allowed to get married and they have an all right time and they don't get harassed anymore doesn't mean it's okay for other queer people do you know what I mean like look what's happening with trans people at the moment and everyone's like oh but it's so much better than it was well not for trans people in the UK and other places in the world do you know what I mean so 
you know there is a lot to be done and saying oh you know everything's fine now or oh you don't understand what it was like for us well you don't understand what it's like for us why don't we work together rather than being you know fighting against each other yeah i think i think that and again it will come back to again when we talk about the end of the podcast talk about the trans week of action and why that is so important is because being trans like the, the the way trans people are treated is still like what gay people are treated like in the 70s and 80s like there's no I don't know how people can make I've I did an interview um for the sports gazette I'm tempted to say I, I feel awful I need to check that um but with, with a, a a young guy called Lucas a young journalist um who spoke to Beatrice and then Beatrice passed him on to me because of my journalist work and whatever else so I did an interview with him and basically said you know the, the you can be outright transphobic on tv you can be outright transphobic as part of the headline whereas now like to be homophobic or to be racist it's got to be a bit more subtle it's got to be you know there's there's my progression there's different stuff like that but you can just be transphobic on tv and and not face any repercussions for it now and just be transphobic in a headline and not face any repercussions for it and that's what we were looking at like 30 or 40 years ago we were looking at stuff that was happening in terms of racism going how is that allowed on tv and like how are we now making the same mistakes where we're like in 10 years time we're going to be going wait how's how's that allowed on tv with a lot of with a lot of transphobic stuff and you're just like how are we continuously making the same mistakes just with a different group of people like come people not put two and two together and go oh this is a same thing just with a different group and yeah there's again that's a whole rant probably go a whole podcast just based on that um And we did a whole panel based on that. Um, but yeah, there's, it, it is so frustrating sometimes to see that level of, um, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know how, what to call it. Um, my, my brain's completely gone. But yeah, that, that thing, that whole thing that I just said. Um, but yes, anyway, before we go down an even deeper rabbit hole with that. Um, it, and I think that does bring us on to like, again the the kind of journalism events and stuff like that and again I know that's something that we we hadn't thought about a lot previously and uh, uh, until I started talking about it um with John Holmes and with Beatrice and then bringing it to the youth panel and it, it plays such a key role so to see what happened at the start of the month with 100 students maxing out we didn't know we had a max on this Zoom account but it turned out we did have a max on the Zoom account because we completely filled it up, which was just like insane to, to see. And um, it is positive, I think, that that many students engaged and seemingly were really paying attention. And, you know, the sports media industry has a lot of work to do, but hopefully that could really be the start. And that's something I think that's the theme of our whole month of action was, again, something that you Angie really drilled hold to us is, not just what's happening for the month is what kind of I guess legacy for lack of a better term what what then happens afterwards and I think a, a lot of the panels really did drive that message home of this isn't just for this month this is continuing and I think the journalism stuff was so important as well I mean first of all you should both be dead proud of yourselves for everything that you did during the month of action and Sam you should be super super proud of the journalism events because as you say they were um you know like completely full and and that is young people that's our target audience who are learning something and will be able to take that on into the future um and I just think like especially now if you look at the media and all this Meghan Markle stuff for example this is a random tangent but you know if you look at what's going on with Meghan Markle and the way she's being treated in the media education with people coming up in um in the media is so important because we need to stop the way that people are treated by the media and depicted is absolutely horrific do you know what I mean so doing anything that's going to help a tiny little bit make the media a better place where people are not targeted and harassed and treated awfully is really good do you know what I mean yeah, and I, I think that's the thing with me is I kind of over the course of my few years and the reason I wanted to do this event of, is I started to, I mean, obviously, you, you know, you get the horror stories of the media like when you're growing up and, and, and that, that a lot of it is true. Um, but you see, you go into course and I think, oh, it's not going to be that bad. And then, you know, there's certain 
there's certain ways that people talk and there's certain ways that things happen and I really started to become uh, disillusioned with the, the kind of journalism industry and luckily I found this kind of whole new world of journalism where you can do the inclusive journalism and there's so many great inclusive sports stories to tell and there's so many you know there's a lot to it and you don't necessarily need to go down that route but on a day-to-day basis you need to be more aware of these issues and you need to be even if it's so as simple as like you know I, I, one thing that I always talk about is via Asia and whenever you talk about a footballer coming out it's like when there's this gay footballer kind of come out when it, you know whenever someone posts a picture with a, a boyfriend it's like this person's come out as gay it's like well he hasn't actually come out as gay yet he could be bi he could not be you know there's a whole manner of um identities and, and sexualities that he could potentially be and yeah just be more aware of that on a day-to-day basis saying someone come out as lgbt not and not as just gay there's a whole other world to that and yeah and i think that it's just genuinely being more aware and it's becoming increasingly important even if it's not even if we're not talking about lgbt talk about as you said Meghan markle that's a that's a race issue that's a that's, that's to do with racism in the media industry which is still so rife and it's little things um like when uh when, when, when a black player is, is normally they'll normally be described in a certain way even if that's not necessarily how they actually play that we describe their athletes they're quick they're, they're strong when you actually look at it sometimes they could be intelligent sometimes they can be smart players they can really know the game of football and you know there's loads of different ways of just being more aware of not just describing someone as the the stereotype or not just describing someone as you think they are because of their race um and yeah I think that's just a really important part of what and it's somewhere we can really have an effect like we have with the with the panels and with the education there's a there's a specific place where we can go and go okay we can go to students at universities who are learning sports journalism and talk to them whereas sometimes it's hard to know where to go to talk to young people if that makes sense for some things it's sometimes hard to know where we're going to go and make a change yeah, and I think those subtle things are, are so significant as well because, like, those examples you were given, I was just like, yeah, Sam, that's so true. Because when I'm thinking about it, you think about the overt things, don't you? You're thinking about, like, when the news outlets are just, like, describing, um, you know, like, black players as angry and um, and things like that, and you just think that's just so blatantly racist. There's no subtlety to it. But it is those other things, isn't it, like... Um, you know, calling black players athletic or um, the other thing you use about bi-erasure, like those things are just as important. And um, and I think that people can do them by accident as well, like not giving people credit because some people are just nightmares. But, you know, some people can do things by accident because it's the way they've, the way they see the world, it's their understanding of things. They don't have that kind of nuanced understanding of, of people or communities or whatever and so it's important to kind of get those things out there as well do you know what I mean I think we often don't sort of think enough about how much impact the media has on our our lives and our society as well I think if you look at things like general elections I think whoever the mainstream media in this country back will probably win the election I think it's very sort of it's a very very powerful medium and I think if you read something every day and you read the same information every day, eventually I think you're going to believe it. A good example of that, I think, was on, I saw a clip yesterday from BBC and it was basically an economist was explaining how government borrowing is different to household borrowing. And everyone was sort of saying, well, why is it took 13 years of government cuts for you to explain this on mainstream TV? And I think it proves the point that the media will tell you what they want to tell you. No one has ever made that point before on mainstream TV because it's a dangerous point to make in a sense so obviously again that's going down a different route but it's all the same with sort of discrimination it's the media will be sort of purposely provocative because they want the public to hold those opinions yeah and I think yeah as you said it's very um yeah and and that's why you need it's not uh, yeah it wasn't just about the day-to-day inclusive reporting it wasn't just about you know cutting out certain things it was about more diversity in the sports media industry as a whole and this is, a, this is, again, a lot of the stuff we talk about in terms of sports media industry and journalism goes for the whole, goes for everything. Um, and this point in particular, 
And I think it's something that, again, Angie touched on earlier in terms of a bunch of cis, white, able-bodied males sitting around talking about something. They're not going to know certain ways to talk about it. But if you... So we're having... Uh, well, for my, the example I use, again, is on my, on my journalism course, there was maybe 50 students. I was the only out LGBT person that, that I knew of. Obviously, there may have been someone who I just didn't know. But, you know, as far as I was aware, there was only three people um, from various BAME backgrounds, um, whether that's Black, Asian or, you know, just various different backgrounds. Um, and there was one woman in, in a 50 person course. And how, how is that going to be a fair representation of the world? How is it going to be a fair representation of even all the footballers in the Premier League? That's not a fair representation of them. It, even, you know, athletes in general, it's not a fair representation of them. So how are we meant to tell, how as that group of people meant to tell the, the wider variety of stories? So you need to get more people from different backgrounds in. And I thought there's been a lot of push for that just in all um, levels. And it's like the, um, I think in the Asante talked about on the podcast for Football Pride is how is, how is all the people in power, positions of power only being from one background, being from one uh, uh, sexual uh, sexuality category. Categories are awful word to use for it, but one one sexuality from one gender identity. How are they meant to make decisions that shape and reflect everybody's best interests? And I think that's kind of again, it's what we're talking we're talking about in terms of sports media here, but it goes for near enough everything and. Again, the, the importance of intersectionality within our own discussions um, is that that's part of that as well. I'll take a drink. Um, <laughs> yes, and I think that kind of leads. No, so I'm trying to think of what else. Oh yeah, we could. That's, that's the other thing. I forgot completely. Forgot about the stuff that I spent half my time on. Um, so it's not just about the panels. And I think one of the things that I really enjoyed and really enjoyed the engagement on. Um, was the What's the Matter with Banter uh, series, and I, I and I actually culminated all the views that we got on that because um, I'm doing it for another for a separate thing. That's another story for another day. Um, but I culminated all the views that we got on that, and we actually got over six thousand five hundred views over the course of the whole series, which is just it for me. Like as being this is kind of like my bread and butter, what I do, like producing content. That's what I really enjoy doing. It's been really cool and. You know getting everyone's viewpoints and something that you know again it's so important because people can do stuff by accident sometimes as that as a lot of these things were or can do things of just say it's just banter um again doing the air quotes when we're on an audio podcast um but yeah and i think yeah that's just really enjoyable to do and again to have regular content coming out throughout the month was really fun to be able to make sure we got that and as, as a whole youth panel, everyone contributed so well to it. I, I was constantly <laughs> sending it in the group chat the day before I'd upload, going, everyone okay with this? Is it all good? And you know, I'm sure everyone got sick of me by the end of the month, but you know, it was kind of just part of it. It was really, yeah, I, I really enjoyed seeing how that series came together and how the reaction came from that series as well. And I think it was so good. I think it's such a good idea because you've done something, um previously sam where it was like you were typing into google yeah. and it was questions from google and then people were answering them and i just think anything like that is dead clever because it is kind of those questions that um that are silly questions do you know what i mean and then you're answering it and it was quite funny and i think with the banter one um it was just good because there was a bit of history in there. Some people knew the history of a word and I learned things from it. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. And um, and so there was that aspect. And then there was also just like people's opinions on it, how it affects people. And I think it was just a dead good um, balance of those things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that was, it was nice to everyone. I think as we spoke about a little bit before, everyone on the panel got to chip in and everyone got to say their things and I think everyone at least had one moment where it was something that had affected them or something that they had a particular history with or you know whatever it might be or they had a particular personal story to tell about that phrase 
and 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 the, the, the thing that I didn't enjoy so much about it was the fact that I had to cut so much out because there was so much other stuff that was said you know that that you know me Ryan and Amy were recording for almost two hours and which is ludicrous I don't know how we did it but some but you know they me between the three of us we just don't stop talking but there's release a deleted scene Sam (laughs) I was I was debating doing like a best of the rest kind of thing because there was quite a few good points made that had to be dropped unfortunately um but yeah, like uh, it, it was really fun, and I don't know Holly is uh, how you felt about recording it and stuff like that. But I, I really enjoyed both recording sessions and then putting it together after the fact as well. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. It was quite interesting when we were filming because obviously Sam, you were sort of doing the the recording, asking the questions, and then we were responding. And I could tell there were so many times where you were just like itching to jump in and give your opinion, but obviously you were like, no, I'll wait till my uh, my recording. No, it's good. I think it, it's things like that that are often sort of forgotten about. And it's almost like what Angie was saying before about um, just because we have equal marriage, et cetera, et cetera, doesn't mean that, it, like, especially with um, homophobia, it's just more microaggressions and things now. And it's just about sort of keeping making those steps of it's something that seems minor, but could really impact someone's experience of being a football fan or being involved in football. So I think it was something really important to tackle. And it was really interesting to me as well, having like the difference between, say, Amy, who's never really been uh, to a lot of football games for various reasons, which we're actually going to, we've got plans to discuss stuff like that um, at a later date on a different thing, but that's another project for another day. Um, but yeah, so we got that whole thing of, you know, people, the difference, basically Amy would come in and be like, especially with the chance, my favourite thing was Amy just being like, why are people chanting stuff? What is wrong? Why are so weird? Like, I don't know. I just did, I really enjoyed that aspect of it because it really does kind of give people the opinion of like, what does this look like to the outside world? Like, what does this look like to people that don't go to football on a regular basis? And even for me, I'm almost desensitised to a lot of stuff that is chanted at football and I'm desensitised to a lot of stuff that is said at football because I've grown up in that culture. And the only reason I'm not, now was desensitized to it because I took time away from it and then came back to it but I think for a lot of people they don't think about what they're saying or what they're chanting or the actual context behind it is just that's what you do at football you 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 chant this and it's just banter and all that kind of thing and I also got mentioned that I had a really one of the videos I can't remember which one it was I did a really hard southeast London banter on like when I said it and I was just I can't stop cringing every time I watch that video because it's just look my full South East London accent coming out and just going banter and I just like oh yeah that's a, that's a whole I, I have to watch myself whenever I say that word because I just can't I can't stand myself saying it in my full accent that's why you just should never listen to yourself back on anything which is hard for you because you've got to edit the things you make but oh my gosh I hate I could I'll not be able to listen to this do you know what I mean it's just not gonna happen so (laughs) I I have to I've had to do it a couple of times especially like when I have to listen through to try and like get clips that we can post on Twitter and stuff like that for the podcast and most of the time I try to like when I when a good point has been made I'll note it down on my phone just so like I don't have to listen to the whole podcast to try and find something because I just I just I can't listen to my own voice which I should probably get used to to be honest but uh, yeah I can't I can't handle it at all um and I think if we're talking about while we stand on the kind of talk of content um another thing that was really really fun for me and I hope you were involved in one of the um episodes was the kind of collaboration podcast as well and that really allowed us to kind of touch on stuff that we'd never really touched on before, wherever it be, you know, you had the mental well-balling podcast, so you could talk a little bit about mental health in football, which uh, we've touched on at various points, but never really went into depth on, which is something I've always wanted to go into depth on, whether it be, again, the 50, 50 lost years, girls coming on and talking about women's football. Again, it's something we've touched on at various points, but we haven't done in depth. And then the thing I really enjoyed about the Breath of Fresh Tea podcast was really just touch on queer culture outside of just like queer football culture and that was kind of really enjoyable just to dive into that and you know talk about random things that you know obviously it's not a a part of everyone's experience but it's a part of some people's queer experience in terms of going out to gay clubs or 
you know, RuPaul's Drag Race or whatever, whatever, like whatever came up in those episodes. It was nice to really touch on a few things that we've, again, we've touched on, but we've never really gone into depth on. And it was really nice to have input from other people and work with other people and hear different voices, really. And that's what everything we do is all about. Yeah, no, I think from doing the, the 50 last year, it's sort of gender equality in football, something that that's really important to me. I did my dissertation on it in, in my undergrad. And I think you can't necessarily talk about women's football without also talking about the stereotypes that come with women's football and, you know, around sexuality and stuff like that. So I think it is great to hear from those other voices and sort of see how their work can intertwine with, with what we're doing as well. Yeah. And I think it's important, like, yeah, that was really important for me as well, because up until like last year, I never knew there was a women's football ban. And I was just like, how as a football fan my whole life have I never known of this? Have, like, how has this never come up in conversations when people talk about, oh, women's football is this, like, not as good as the men's or women's football is this, that and the other. How does it never come up that, oh yeah, by the way, you know, they did lose 50 years where it was literally banned, like, how does that not come up in that conversation? And, you know, I think bringing that to the eyes of a lot more people, as what the 50 Lost Years girls are doing, um, as what um, we we, the, we did a week on football versus homophobia, the main Twitter account did a week of different videos on that. Um, and, yeah, just bringing that to a lot of people's eyes is really important because it gets lost. How does I don't know how it gets lost so easily, but it it, it does for some reason. Yeah, I don't think it, it's it's very widely known about. I genuinely don't think there's much knowledge of it. Um, and I think that's why that campaign is so good, because it is actually addressing an issue that isn't spoken about enough. Yeah. I think if we, we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, um, kind of that's our kind of month of action. Um, before we get close, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put pressure on both of you now um, and think of a moment of the month of action, which you, you found particularly interesting. Uh, yeah, which was your, I don't want to say favourite moment, but a particular moment that stuck out to you that, I don't know, felt satisfying, felt nice, whatever it might be, um, that you, that, yeah, that you particularly enjoyed. Well, who's going to go first? That's the question. I'll do a cop-out answer. Okay. I'd say that, like, just generally <clears throat> watching you lot as the panel um, just work away without, you know, like a huge amount of support from Beatrice and I just you had ideas and you did them and they were all really successful was just was just dead nice. Like I said at the beginning, there's been months of action where the youth panel hasn't done um hasn't done so much stuff or maybe it's just done a few social media campaigns or whatever. Um, but I think that you've set the bar so high for next year uh, and that's just been really pleasing to see for me it's just been really wonderful I think what was great as well was sort of how much we supported each other through it as well because we all had our own events that we were nervous for or that we weren't sure how they were going to go and and on the group chat all the time it's just like well done smashed it that was amazing and it was just really nice that, that confidence boost um yeah no it's great I think Something that I enjoyed was when we did the soccer size session with Ellen from, from Aston Villa. So the turnout was a lot bigger than expected on the Zoom, which was great. And just how many questions people were asking, like I could tell it was maybe sort of the younger age group, maybe age sort of 10 to 15. And they were just really inquisitive and just asking those questions. And I think it just shows, like we were saying earlier, that the, the younger generation are just sort of op a lot more open-minded potentially and do just want to ask questions and, and educate themselves on, on issues that they might not otherwise learn about. So that I think that for me was good to see that we were reaching people outside of maybe the circles that we would normally reach in our everyday lives. Absolutely, Holly. I completely agree with that. That's something that I think um, maybe as a youth panel, maybe as FVH in general, we kind of struggle with. We have this community of FVH people who are like, 
queer people who are dead active in football, like whether they're supporters or players. And it's the same names for participants and for panels come up again and again and again. And this year, there was so many different people and names we hadn't heard of on panels and participants. And we just had like loads and loads of engagement from different people. And I think for the youth panel, especially seeing that we were engaging young people um, and not just, you know, some of the older people who turn out to support the youth panel because they support FEH. So that was really special. Yeah, I think I agree with that because, yeah, as you say, there is almost this uh, FEH bubble, queer football bubble, whatever you want to kind of uh, call it, it, that we we do have a lot of the same people and you know, you you do find yourself like recognizing a lot of the names on like the the, the lists and recognizing when people talk in the chat or ask a question in the chat. Um, you do recognize a lot of names, but also I think there has yeah, as you said, there has been a lot more in terms of people that I've never seen before. And um, talking from a social media aspect, how many we I think we gained almost 120 followers over the course of the month um which is obviously a huge amount to gain over a month especially for a, a kind of you know a smaller ish uh, twitter page like what we have um and that was really nice uh, you know obviously it's a very um i don't know what's that, what's the right word to use but a very like i don't maybe young issue i don't know i don't know what the right word to use but maybe a very um i'm awful I'm awful. Um, yeah, basically, it's, it's very surface level. It's very kind of, you know, amount of follows you have or whatever. But it is a good show of the engagement. It is a good show of how many new people you're reaching, especially when you, I'm awful for like, if I see someone who's followed, just to see if we're going to follow back, but I'll click on the profile and be like, oh, this person doesn't seem to be involved in queer football community at all. They're just someone who's, just a football fan or just and, and equally as important is people who are queer activists but not necessarily football fans and you know building a bit more community with the, the wider queer community as well um, and that's been really enjoyable to do and that's been really enjoyable to kind of see that develop uh, and yeah I, I, yes uh, I kind of attest to everything you guys have said in that regard and it's been really nice to see as you say and definitely what you said about in the group chat because it was so nice every single event we have messaged before good luck you know a little bit of advice for the people who were nervous and then afterwards it was well done great great attendance great engagement you know and it was nice to also consistently hear great attendance great engagement great you know just consistently we were getting that um, again, getting a nice feedback on socials, which I'm the four, I, I see a lot more of than a lot of people because I run the accounts, but it was always good feedback. Um, and yeah, so just the, the whole thing and the whole energy throughout the month where, yes, I was absolutely passed out when it ended. But I was, that's just because I was on such a high through the whole month that, you know, once, once you've come down off that high a little bit, it just completely drains you. But yeah, so it was so, so enjoyable to see you everything that everyone was doing and um, the support that we had from within the group chat, within the community and from outside. Um, and yeah, I'm just really excited for, I guess, the rest of the year. And um, especially coming up is the Football versus Transphobia Week of Action, um, which we've got, again, not really any rest. I keep saying there's a rest. There's not really a rest. Um, there's, a there's a slight rest where you can stop for a little bit, but you have to they'll be cracking on straight on with the Week of Action. Um, and I think the theme for this year is talk about trans footy allies and talk about allies or not so much talking about allies, but letting allies talk. Um, and I think that's kind of an important thing because we're having conversations in the Proud Valiance chat about we don't want, you know, it's exhausting sometimes to constantly have to talk about, you know, defend your own rights and defend your own right to do stuff. And, you know, as anyone in the LGBT community can feel that, but you know, it's even harder for trans people because they have to fight even harder a lot of the time. So it's nice that we're kind of taking a little bit of the pressure off trans people to talk about themselves and talk about issues constantly and let allies do a little bit of talking and let allies talk, not for trans people, but, you know, stand in front of them for a little bit and, 
you know, or stand by their side, I guess is maybe, I don't know what the better analogy is, but either way, I think it's, I think it's a nice theme to be going for this year. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what kind of everyone does with it. Yeah, listen, I think it's so important to do this theme because um, trans people are just having the most horrific time at the moment. Like the UK, I mean, I know it's bad in other countries, but the UK seems to just be toxic. Like it's absolutely horrific. And I think that um, for me, a cis woman, I feel it's really important for me to be an ally at the moment because of the turf rhetoric that's out there and because the turfs are so, you know, like, I don't know, I feel like well-organised is giving them a compliment and I don't want to do that, but like well-organised, like they're just like, you know, band together and just harass people and they're just all over everything I think it's so important especially for cis women right now to be supporting um their trans sisters and trans people in general uh, and so I'm excited for this week of action so that I can do as much as possible I mean we should all be doing it all year round and I do try my best to do that but if we can have a week where we can just like really really hammer it home that's fantastic for me I think it's going to be I hope it's going to be a really good week yeah I completely agree I think turfs are a little bit of a loud minority um because I think I did I did see a survey where actually obviously surveys you don't know about the sample size etc etc but most women do actually support trans women um in the UK and from from this survey not not by a huge percentage but it was definitely over over 50 percent and I think then this campaign will hopefully allow some people to vocalize that because I think often like I say it's the turfs who are going on social media and harassing people and writing horrible comments and I think it'll be nice to have something that's a lot more positive and a lot more in support of, of trans women. And, and I think, again, one of the things that we're going for, and I think what we're going for as a youth panel in terms of the social media campaign is letting trans people just talk about football and just talk about what they love rather than having to talk about the issues. And I think there's a few important points to that in the fact that, A, it's... Again, as I said, let, just let them talk about football, let them talk about what they love rather than having to defend their existence and defend their um, right to play football or be at football games or whatever their, their relationship with football is. Just let them talk about that and let them, you know, and from that perspective, yes, that's nice to let them do that. But also from a perspective of A, you've people can see that the, their love of the game is exactly the same as yours. And what you're doing by not allowing them to do that is taking away that from them. This is like the same moments that you love about football, the same moments, to, the same things that, you know, are great for your mental health that make you feel good about football, that help you. It's exactly the same. And by not allowing them that space, you're taking that away from them. And I think that's what I'm, what, what in my mind when I, when you're, we're talking about that campaign that's really what I'm trying to drive home is you're taking away this thing that is the same as what you love about football from people for no reason other than their you know how they were how they were how, how you know them them just trying to be more of themselves than they have been their whole life um, and I think that's a really important thing to show people and drive home is the the love of football because that's what we're all here for that's all what we're here it's all about at the end of the day yeah I think I think I've mentioned this um before but we're almost there so in the, the league that I play in which is I think it's like step six or seven of the women's period pyramid so it's like the very bottom essentially um there was a, a trans woman playing for a team and a few people had basically made a comment saying, you know, they don't think it's fair. Um, and I think aside from trying to go into any sort of the lack of scientific ev evidence that there is any sort of advantage in a playing sense, I think the point I went, I went for was just, why shouldn't they have that right to access football? Why should they not be able to just go and, and enjoy their football? And like you say, then especially the mental health aspects, considering that trans people's mental health is, 
is significantly worse than non-trans people then why shouldn't they have that outlet and be able to go and, and do something that they love and again I think as I mentioned I think last time I mentioned this I just said the word mentioned a lot of times <laughs> um they basically um a lot of them are, are members of the the LGB community themselves and it's almost like well sure you can appreciate that you know you've been discriminated against why should someone else be discriminated against who just wants to play football and I had this conversation recently right where we were talking about um you know women's spaces and one of the things that comes up all the time is you know that that we're trying to get rid of women's spaces and there isn't a safe space for women anymore and um and actually my point is this is my personal opinion women's spaces are dead important I feel very strongly about being a woman I'm you know I'm a big feminist I'm very passionate about being a woman and I think there should be women's spaces and what it fundamentally comes down to is I think all women should be allowed in those spaces and I think that trans women are women and that's the problem is that people are really out here thinking trans women are not women. And so that's why it's unfair in football. That's why pe women's spaces are being taken away. But that's not it. There are so many different types of women. We've said it on this podcast so many times. But, you know, like if um, Holly, how tall are you? Short. Five foot three. Yeah, you look short. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So, you know, there's loads of things that the two of us could do together. Uh, something height related where you need to be tall and I'd be at an unfair advantage and something where you need to be small and you'd be at an unfair advantage. And it's uh, there is such a vast range of different types of women. What you're saying fundamentally is that trans women aren't women. And that's the issue. Yeah. You know what I mean, the issue is not women's spaces being taken away things being unfair because there's loads of things that can be unfair because of the way we're all physically built because we're all built differently do you know what I mean yeah in, in a sporting sense you only have to look at someone like Michael Phelps who has webbed feet essentially and has his lactic acid levels are a lot lower than average which allows him to you know be a better swimmer essentially but because he's a cis white male no one says anything but as soon as it's you know, a female athlete who potentially has higher testosterone levels or is a trans athlete who might, you know, that, then it's an issue. And it, like you say, it is about this this fundamental belief that, that some people have that trans women aren't women. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. I feel like, especially in football, there's like, if it, like there's so much more than just be like the, 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 basics level of physicality like in terms of what makes a good footballer it's not just the person who's the fastest the strongest the tallest the you know whatever it might be the, the two best players in the world and the two best players in the world who have been for however many years one of them six foot two built and you know big very physical one's five foot six and you know just really technically gifted so there's there's no and you said, and you were talking about the player in your league, in your league, Holly. Well, if they had that much of an unfair advantage, then they probably wouldn't be in tier five or six. <laughs> like, they, yeah, they would, yeah. <laughs> would be, why is there no trans women in the women's super league? Like, they, they, so there can't be that much of an unfair advantage because they're not they're not winning yeah. world cups and they're they're not you know they're not the best players in the world. So yeah. like, it just it just makes zero sense. And I think I think one of the things for that again is I don't think people understand that this, you know, this it, we're not trying to get trans people, we are trying to get trans people to play, but we're, you know, it's not like we're trying to get a rule introduced where trans people can play. They already can. There is already rules in place that allow them to. We're just trying to stop people from taking it away. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, we're, not, we're not trying to get something added. This, is, this has been the norm for the last few years where the, there is, and uh, uh, again, Sammy Walker is a better person to listen to about this because she's fantastic and really, really explains it well and really explains the kind of all the box, I don't want to say boxes she had to tick, but that's basically what it comes down to, all the things that she had to do uh, to, I guess, prove that she wouldn't be at an unfair advantage to get into women's football and to actually be able to play women's football. So, you know, I'd recommend going and following her. And, you know, I think she was going to be involved in a lot of stuff over the week. 
Um, so definitely talk, uh, look, follow her and she'll be able to explain it a lot better than I will. But there, yeah, there's so much that goes on to, in terms of, it's not as simple, and I think I mentioned this on the 50 Years podcast, it's not as simple as going, oh, I'm not good enough to play men's football, so I'm just going to just switch. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go to the other one. Like, there's so much more to it. Just in case of like, you're not going to get. You're not going to get an appointment to transition for four years normally, or something like that. You're not. Not. Not important to transition. The first appointment for anything, like for four years, I think is the average. Mm-hmm. So there's so much more to it than what people think, and I think they're just to a point education, but also acknowledging, as with a lot of queer issues, acknowledging where. People don't need to be educated because they're not interested in being educated. They don't actually care about being educated. Yeah. And so much of it is rooted in things like misogyny as well. Like it's all these people arguing that they're they're super feminists, like these TERFs, they're big feminists and all this terrible stuff is happening to women. And they're sitting there arguing what that, um, you know, they're saying, well, trans women are actually men and that means they're better at sport do you know what I mean and that's so misogynistic as well as transphobic because why are women not as good at sport as men do you know what I mean and why why is somebody if a man was playing alongside a woman why are they automatically going to be better than them? And I hate it when they talk about that in the context of professional athletes. A professional athlete is so out of your league, of the league of this little turf, who's been training their whole life, who has a dietitian, who's like gets up every day, 4 a.m., trains all day, and is like literally the best of the best. And you're telling me that, oh, it doesn't matter because, you know, if somebody comes in of the opposite gender, then it's unfair for them. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, like, it's just stupid. <laughs> I think the, the thing that always gets me is just that the outrage at inclusive language. Almost like, so for example, I think there was a big debate about an advert that said people who menstruate. And then it was almost like the outrage. It was just, and I was like, what's, all it's doing is being inclusive to, to trans men and non-binary people mm-hmm. who have periods. Like why, why do you have to be so outraged by that? Why having a period doesn't, is not the only defining factor of being a, a woman. If that's how you, the only thing that you care about in terms of being a woman, then I think you need to sort of look at yourself a little bit. And it's the same with, same with I suppose, um, having, having children. Not all women can have children. So it's unfair to say that, oh, well, you're not a real woman. You can't have children because there's lots of women, lots of um, cisgender women who can't have children either. So I just think that their arguments are always so flawed and like you say, a lot of them are just rooted in, in misogyny. Yeah, exactly what you've said about that. Like, And it's the same thing as what I've just said about sport. Loads of women have different experiences in different bodies. So does that make them more or less of a woman? And I actually tweeted about the like pregnancy thing recently because I am pregnant myself and we were, uh, and you know, I, I seen these tweets and it was like, oh, you know, um, talking about how well, it's really terrible to talk about chest feeding and women that you you have to say people that are pregnant and you know my whole point on it is I'm a woman as I've said I'm quite proud to be a woman so when I talk about myself I talk about myself as a woman but talking about other people in gender neutral terms does not take away from my identity as a woman do you know what I mean it just doesn't Mm. I know who I am and I'm proud of that and there are men who get pregnant and have children as well and so I will be inclusive of them in my language of other people do you know it it doesn't take away from who I am and my identity do you know what I mean yeah definitely I think I, I think my my whole thing is like what is feminist what what is feministic about defining a woman by her body like yeah it's the complete opposite. Like, it's it, 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 what, and that's that's the thing that always gets me. This idea that oh, they're not a woman because they they were born in this body. Well, that's literally the complete opposite of feminism to define a woman by her body. Like, it's just so. I don't know. It, it, it's it, it's yeah, I find it weird how, you know, people that are, are, are feminists that, that or, or claim to be feminists. I, I actually saw something. Natalie actually tweeted something about not to say about you know turfs they're not not being feminists because you know it's like basically ignoring the issue they are feminists they're just not very good ones um but it, it's yeah what how you're going so backwards on all your morals just to exclude this group of people you're you're literally 
taken so many steps back on everything you've been fighting for just because there's another group that's slightly different to you to you know I don't, I don't know I don't understand the reasons why I can't even put pinpoint what the thinking would be what the thing, reasoning would be but it's so frustrating to see that yeah 100% yeah I think that's drawing us if no one else has any other points I want to expand on um, that's drawing us to about the end of the podcast because it's been I'm not sure exactly exactly the time we started I probably should have kept an eye on that but it's been about an hour um, so yeah if no one's got any other points and any other points to make any other thoughts queries um, you know uh, uh, chips whatever you whatever wants to be said uh, you know I'll, I'll give the I'll open the field one more time and then I'll close down and outro us no, I think we'll just rant for too long if we keep going. I think that's. I think uh, yeah. I was trying to find a point where we could like stop in a more in a natural place rather than just like stopping the rant halfway through. Um, but stop for the trouble. But yes, yeah, so thank you very much, both of you, for joining me. Um, thank you. Yeah, and we will hope. Yeah, of course, and hopefully um, we'll have a good week of actions. So if everyone wants to. Um, for the week of action, that is at the end of March. It's the last full week of March. I probably should have looked up the exact dates, but it's the last full week of March, the 24th to something. <laughs> I really should have looked up the full dates before I did this, but I'll be I'll do a little outro after the fact where I talk about the full dates or whatever else. Um, so yes, please go and follow us on our Twitter. That is at FEHUth for us, FEHUth on Instagram. Or go over and follow the, the main football versus homophobia accounts. That is at FEH tweets on Twitter and football underscore V underscore homophobia on Instagram. Um, as well as all the face the Facebook pages, just type football versus homophobia on Facebook. If you want the website, just type in football versus homophobia on Google. It'll be the first responses on those things. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Um, we'll see you again next month for another youth panel roundtable on whatever subject or whatever group of people that will feature on that. And yeah, so we'll see you all when the week of action kicks off when we start producing content again. So thank you very much and see you later. Thank you so much for listening to the FEH Podcast Youth Panel Roundtable Edition. As mentioned multiple times in the episode, coming up we have got the Football vs Transphobia Week of Action and that is starting on the March 22nd, 2021. And to follow all of our Football vs Transphobia Week of Action plans, head over to our social medias, that is at FEHUth on Twitter, FEHUth on Instagram, and for the main FEH is at FEH Tweets on Twitter, football underscore V underscore homophobia on Instagram, Football vs Homophobia on Facebook and also www.footballvshomophobia.co.uk And I'll thank you all again very much for listening and we'll see you next month.